Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. The grace and the peace of our Lord be with everyone gathered here today. I want to welcome those who are in the sanctuary as well as the rest of our church family worshiping in the Family Life Center and the, the extended JCBC family worshiping online, wherever you may be. Uh, our neighbors near and far away welcome you into this time of worship and now into this time of study. And I want to invite you to turn with me uh, in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to begin in verse 17 of Mark 10. So turn to Mark 10, 17, and we're going to make our way to the sacred text in just a few moments. But we begin with this. Jesus said, there's nothing more important than love. Jesus said, the greatest commandment of all is love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all of your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. But you can't begin to love God until you know something about loving your neighbor because the love of God begins with the love of neighbor. And you can't really love your neighbor until you recognize that you are a neighbor yourself intrinsically worthy of love because of how God made you. But you, you, can't, you can't begin to love yourself until you understand something about yourself. Because love requires giving us uh, understanding and space for grace. Love requires giving us room to, to grow and maybe even forgive ourselves and to set up disciplines and boundaries that love us into healthier lives. So the love of God begins with the love of neighbor and the love of neighbor begins with the love of self because you were made lovable by God. And that is why we are in a series called Me, Myself, and Why. And these many weeks, what we're talking about is we're looking at sacred scripture through the lens of the Enneagram, an ancient tool that shows us that we as human beings have basically nine ways to look at the world, nine ways to view and do our life. And, and while we may all have all nine in us, we all pretty much have one emerge as our primary way to enter life and to exist in life and orient ourselves with one another. And the Enneagram itself is divided into three groups of three or three triads. And there are three of us in the nine of us who basically feel our way through life. We're, we're heart people. We're, we're in the heart triad and we, we feel our way through life. There are some of us who are in the head triad, which means we think our way through life. And others of us are in what we call the gut triad, which is 
simply that we, we do things, we function our way through life. And while we all have all three of these centers of intelligence in us, while we are all uh, Trinitarian in nature, we, we have heart and head and gut, we pretty much learn to live out of one over the other, mostly. And these weeks, where we find ourselves is we are in the middle of studying the heart triad. Last week, we were together with Suzanne Stabile up here, and we studied twos. And we said that twos feel their way through life by feeling the feelings of others. Last week, we said that twos can enter into a room and not only recognize the needs of the people in the room, but uh, almost like a like a Jedi sense, meet the needs of those that they see even before the ones who need it know that they need it. It's like a super strength, but that super strength, like all superheroes, have a kryptonite. And the kryptonite for the twos, we said last week, was that while you may spend your time meeting the needs of others, it is often at the expense of recognizing your own suffering and needs and in many ways leads you down the paths of self-destruction and denial and pride. And today we're studying threes. Threes. On the Enneagram, in Enneagram language, we refer to threes as the achiever or in some circles, the performer. The achiever or performer. Now these folks are impressive people. The achiever is somebody who knows how to get something done. Somebody say amen. All right, you like people in your life who help you get things done, right? They are able to set a goal and achieve it. Usually with threes, they are so success-oriented and achievement-oriented and accomplishment-driven that they set goals and they don't just meet their goals, they crush their goals. And then they set another goal and then they raise the bar higher on that goal. Threes in the Enneagram language are they who, well, they perform because they recognize their affirmation and love comes from demonstrating in the world that they can win. For threes, winning is important. Succeeding is important. Achieving is important. It's been said by some, and Suzanne reminded us over the weekend, last weekend, that there are some who, who label countries with a number on the Enneagram. What do you think America is? We are a three nation, right? God bless America. We set a goal and we achieve it. Whatever we set out to do, we can do it and we do do it. We are a three country. And, and in reality, I've lived here now. This is our eighth year living and breathing and being neighbors with one another. I can tell you this much. This neighborhood is a three neighborhood. I'm talking about the zip codes that are around us, the a dozen zip codes around us. They are three zip codes. And I don't just mean 30025 or 24 or 30005. I'm talking about they don't just begin with threes. These zip codes are threes. My first neighborhood event when we first moved into this place, you would not believe the conversations that I overheard about, well, my kid has 300 AP courses and 14 state titles and we're going to you know college he starts college next week and he'll be finished in three months you know that because we win we achieve we go we climb we contend we compete we do it we make it happen right we are a three and i can just i want to just say it we're in church let's tell the truth if there was a number to ascribe to a church 
this is a three church because we don't do anything halfway. What are, you, what are you laughing about? We don't. We don't do anything halfway, right? We, we go all the way or not at all. And the beauty of that is our species needs threes. Threes move us along. They are in the future stance. They are in the aggressive stance. They, they take a thing and they move a thing forward. It's almost like a super strength. But like every number on the Enneagram, if this is your super strength, it is also your kryptonite. The thing that makes you strong is the very thing that can tear you apart. And for threes among us, the kryptonite for a three is when we believe that our image is who we actually are. A kryptonite for a three is believing that we are who we have performed our way into being. Our ego self, our false self. We all create personas, right? In which to, to present ourselves before the world. But for threes, the persona for threes is I can achieve, I can succeed. And when we believe that that is who we are, it's our kryptonite. When we believe our own resume defines who we are, that's where we lead down paths of self-destruction. Because every Enneagram number has a particular sin or a particular passion. Last week we talked about twos, how the deadly sin of twos is pride. We can be so focused on meeting the needs of others that we, in a prideful way, ignore the reality that we ourselves have needs and allows us to kind of define ourselves by being those who are above any needs, right? The deadly sin of threes is deceit. But not deceit in the way that you and I normally think about deceit. It's not deceit, just, and I'm not saying that, that threes are all liars, <laughs> because we can all be liars, Amen. We can all lie, but with threes, the deadly sin of deceit is this. Threes deceive themselves into believing their own headlines. Because threes, as children, learn to pick up along the way that I will not be loved, I will not be welcomed, I will not be secure, I will not be a part of this tribe unless I can prove that I can earn it, that I can work my way toward it. Now see, threes are driven to spend their energies on external things and not easily on internal things. Most of the energies of threes are spent on the external persona rather than developing the interior person. And as a result, they chase after applause. They chase after affirmation. Not because they're not worthy of applause, because they usually are. They usually win, they achieve, they succeed, they're on top. They're the ones that get the trophies. They're the ones that get the ribbons because they've earned it. But the trouble is they deceive themselves into thinking that their value and their worth is defined by those trophies. And so when the avalanche of applause subsides, it can leave a three feeling desperately in despair. In Mark chapter 10, we get a glimpse 
of an Enneagram 3 in action. And Mark chapter 10, verse 17 begins this way. As he was setting, Jesus, as Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. Come on. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to, to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, Hmm. You lack one thing. Go sell all that you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving for he had many possessions. Now, usually when we read that story, the parable of the rich young ruler is told in a few of the gospels. In one place, he's called rich. In one place, he's called young. In another place, he's called a ruler. He's never really ever called a rich young ruler. That's our language. We kind of cram it together to tell one unified story. And this guy, we usually, when we read this story, we attribute it to materialism. And we say, yeah, be careful how much stuff you accumulate and, and don't let that be your God and you get rid of it, then you can follow freely. And while that is a true call to action, there's more to it than just that. I love the way the story begins. It begins with this man runs up to Jesus. Literally, the text says he runs up to Jesus. Threes are always running. Threes are always chasing. Chasing the next goal, the next accomplishment, the next achievement, because they have learned from the time that they could learn that if they are to be affirmed, welcomed, loved, they have to get to the next win. He runs up to Jesus, and he asks Jesus the most three question you could possibly ask. What must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? So this guy runs up to Jesus because threes, by the way, are always in the running stance, the aggressive stance. Over time, we could talk about how there are numbers on the Enneagram who are aggressive stance, which means they're forward motion. They're thinking about what's next. They're thinking about the future. There are some who are in the dependent stance, which are right here, right now, and some who are in the withdrawing stance. They retreat away. Do you know anybody in your life who is so forward motion they never can sit still? They can't sit still for a relationship. They can't sit still for a conversation. They can't become content because if they are content, that may suggest there's nothing more for them to achieve. And if they can't achieve more, there may be less love available to them. He comes up to Jesus and says, what must I do? And Jesus says, well, you know what to do. You know, follow the commandments. The, the, the commandments, you know, you don't do these things and do these other things. And he said, well, I've done those things. Have you not seen my resume? I've accomplished everything that there is to be accomplished, except I want to secure eternal life. And Jesus then, I love this phrase. It may be the most beautiful phrase in the entire story. Looking at him, Jesus loved him. 
looking at him. Jesus has a way of looking at you and seeing the thing behind the thing that you are attempting to show the world. Looking at him, he saw behind his trophies. Looking at him, he saw behind the persona. And the text says he loved him. Looking not at his trophies, but looking at him, he loved him. And there are threes among us for whom it is hard for them to hear this message. You are loved despite what you can do. Well, he says to him, look, there is one thing you lack. So Jesus decides to play the game. Jesus plays the three game and says, there is one thing you lack. If you want to do something, well, here's what you need to do. Sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor and come follow me. But again, he's not just talking about materialism and he's not talking about money. He's not just talking about wealth. He is talking about those things, but it's not just that. For this guy, this three, Jesus says there's one thing you need to do and it's this, shed yourself of your dependency upon the evidences that you're worth anything. Get rid of all the trophies that somehow prove in your eyes to the world that you're worth loving. And when you relinquish the trophies, when you lay down all the evidences of your worth, then you will be free enough to see that you are worth something not because of what you have done, but because of who you are. And your worth comes from me. The text says that the man was shocked and went away sad. He was shocked. Of course he would be shocked. I mean, you and I would be shocked. If you're a three, that is a shocking message. We live in a three country, a three zip code, a three church. And everything that has shaped you, if you're a three, has been you got to do this and win that and achieve the other, and then you'll be loved. And to be told that now your pathway is stripping yourself of all of the skins that you've learned to wear is somehow your path to eternal life that is shocking and disappointing. Richard Rohr says that the saddest person on the Enneagram is the unsuccessful three. Someone for whom there is nothing else they can prove. The young man, it says, went away sad. You see, threes don't become threes overnight. Neither do any of the other numbers. We said last week that every number has a wounding message that we carry around with us. Now, last week I said the wounding message for two was one thing. The message for threes that we carry around, if you're a three, is that it's not okay to have your own feelings or your own identity. Because when you're a kid, you somehow learn in your environment that that's not enough. That's not impressive enough. That's not marketable in the world. And so you learn to put on something more marketable, a persona in which you will win and study and achieve and climb and practice so you can compete and then when you win, you're loved. That's a wounding message threes carry around all the time, whether they are aware of it or not. So there is a healing message in Christ that is meant to undo or counter the, the wounding message that we carry around as threes. 
And the healing message is this, you are loved for yourself. For who you are and not for what you do. You're loved for you. And that's not an easy lesson to learn. It's not an easy message to hear if you have formed your life around performance and accomplishments, right? Now, let me stop for just a moment and ask. In this room and in the FLC, if you know or you think you may be a three, just slip your hand out. Let me see you. Any threes in the room? Okay, maybe, yep. All right. I know there's some in the choir. Good. Do you know or love someone who you think may be a three? Raise your hand. Yep, a lot more hands going up. Good, good. All right, put them down. Sometimes it's important to put a face on a three, on a number, so we're not just talking vaguely. So I want to introduce you to my favorite three on the planet. Not only is she my favorite three, she is my favorite carbon-based life form. Would you please give a JCBC welcome uh, to Laura King. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk for just a little bit in front of people, so keep it clean. <laughs> All right. So, Laura is an Enneagram 3 and the most beautiful Enneagram 3 I've ever seen. So, babe, I want you... Let's talk for just a few minutes. We talked about some questions I want us to think about. And the first question is, what's it like being in your head, in your heart, when you think about what you've started to learn lately about being an Enneagram 3? We, we came late to the game to the Enneagram, right? It's a few years now. But the more you think about what you're learning about yourself in your threeness, um, what are you learning? Well, I'm... I guess when we started studying the Enneagram three, three or four years ago. Okay, sorry. Um, when we started studying the Enneagram, it was it was pretty clear to me there was never another number that um, I thought I was. I mean, it was almost kind of exciting for me because finally something spelled it out that yes, this is you, and it was uh, affirming, and so. Um, I don't know. There's some really great parts about threes. Um, we're exciting people. Um, <laughs> we, there's, always a, um, there's always a goal, especially living in a three country and a three zip code. I mean, there's always something fun to do, something um, next to achieve. We're typically pretty optimistic and um, excited for whatever's, whatever's next because it's a great opportunity for us. Um, and, and, and I'm going to tell you something y'all don't know that I didn't tell you I'd say this, but, but everywhere we've ever lived, every place we have ever lived, right? We were in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. We were in Gaithersburg, Maryland. We were in East Tennessee. We were in Orlando. Every place we ever lived, you found a way somehow subconsciously, you know, you've heard the term cream rises to the top. There's always an environment in which Laura has, has become something, you know, chair of this, captain of that. Uh, teacher of the month, teacher of the year, queen of the northern realm. I mean, whatever. It, I mean, there's always, and I'm telling you, it is, it is, is it a real factor with threes and with this, with you, uh, for sure. And so that has been a, a part of just how you're wired. I just, 
Yeah, it has, and, um, but like you were mentioning, um, and since we've been studying the Enneagram, I mean, all that hits you first, because we're very, um, or at least I am, pretty positive about it, and you're like, well, yeah, this is the way the world, world works, and so I fit it perfectly. Yeah, right. But then, um, looking at the, the kryptonite, or the, when we start to look at the deadly sin of a three, and when we started to learn that, and I started to learn it, um, at first, you know, you don't like to, to hear that, but at further investigating and, and looking into who I am, it's true. And it's, um, it is a driving, um, it, it's a message that, is, that I say to myself. And sometimes, um, well, and for many years, I've just gone through life and not really known that that is the internal message until you stop and, and listen to the message of deceit at times. So, all right, so let's, let's stay there for a minute for, with deceit. So if that's the deadly sin, and that emerges in places with or without your knowing it, unconsciously, subconsciously, now that you've got a lens to begin seeing it, now you look backward, as I know as I do, as I look back over what has been my hidden motivation as a two throughout my life, I can see places that I thought we're very noble. That's just humble. Oh, that's just servant. That's just, but it's actually just pride and it's just a denial of my own needs. You know, so as you look back and trace in your threeness the theme of deceit, how does it emerge? What's it look like? What has it looked like? Well, I think in a couple ways, you know, on the surface, we can quickly think, okay, well, a three is very good at um, hyperbole. We're very good at... Um, presenting ourselves in a way that um, is expected of us to present ourselves. So in any situation, you know, the first thing is, well, if I'm going to succeed at this, whether if I'm going to succeed as a mother, I'm going to succeed as a teacher, I'm going to succeed as a wife or as a friend, then we're very quick to know what tasks or what we have to do in order to succeed at that. And it comes very easily um, for us to do that. Um, and so, but let me ask you this. So, but hang in with deceit for a minute. Right, let's just camp with deceit for a second. So what's been said about threes is that threes can be shape shifters, which means like chameleons, we all, many of us can, but, but threes have a capacity to walk into a room and read the room, see who the most influential and authoritative and powerful person is in the room. And the three can shape shift into behaving in a way to be noticed by the most influential or powerful person, right? Mm -hmm. Would you say that's true? So what's that, how can that look for a three? Well, I mean, just like what you just said, you, you can literally, I mean, I can give you an example, um, you know, just in a work environment, for example, you can walk into a room and you kind of know who the authority is and what is expected very quickly for you to be seen in a light that is acceptable. Mm -hmm. And threes might would take it another level, not just accept, acceptable, but the best in this room at it. Yes. And so the, the deception can be a couple of different things. A three can definitely deceive um, in talking about themselves or in the shape-shifting that you're talking about. It can be kind of a minor deception. But um, for me, it's, it's not as much vocal as it can be internal mm. deception in thinking to myself that if I am not constantly achieving or 
um, completing a task at the best level, then, you know, I am not um, good. I am not accepted or I'm not approved of. And and sometimes threes, it has been said that threes can be so driven to succeed that they will accept the appearance of success over actual success if it if it garners the affirmation and approval of, of those who they're trying to secure, right? So, but that can be easily a trap toward what is known as the, the, the greatest fear of a three. And the, the greatest fear that threes have is the fear of failure, right? So how does that fear kind of manifest itself on kind of just a normal daily basis as a professional, as a citizen, as a follower of Jesus, a wife, a mom, a whatever, neighbor? Well, right now that maybe I'm failing at this yeah. right here on stage in front of all of How's you. How's she doing? She doing okay? <laughs> she doing okay? Yeah. You're doing fine. And even if you were to tank, you'd still be loved in this room, I guarantee you. No, I mean, you're, you're right. That is a driven force because... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, to fail at something is showing all your cards and you, it's a very vulnerable place. And even if you perceive that it was successful, then that is immediate, um, comfort that, you know, you are not a failure. And so that message is continued. Um, it's kind of propelled in this vicious circle of, especially in our culture, we're very good to give those accolades. And so, um, it's very, and it's very immediate. Um, you know, we can be talking about something as simple as failing to, um, you know, load the dishwasher correctly or to, uh, failing as a, you know, mom in, in the way your children are behaving or acting. Or the grades they get. Or, or the grades they get. How they're processing or, things emotionally mm-hmm. or how they're getting along with friends right. or not. Exactly. It, you or wear that as your, own, as your own grade card. As my own grade card. Or, you know, even in your career, um, not making it to this next level or to this next project or mm-hmm. being seen as whatever, whatever that is. And um, so there's a great fear of failure and um, that is internal. It can be crippling. Mm-hmm. So then let's talk about the good news, the, the grace in all this, the gospel in all this, is that there is a healing message that comes in Christ if we, if we can hear it. And there are some things that we can say to threes, like you are loved for who you are. We love who you are and not what you do. We can say it all day long. But for threes, there, there are some things that a three has to do to be able to hear that. The guy in the story went away sad, even though Jesus saw him for who he was, right? He went away sad because he couldn't hear that. So what are you learning these days about how to posture yourself in a way to actually hear the healing message of Jesus, that that your love for who you are? Well, I love what you said about what must I do? Because the first thing, when we're very good at, just give me the list. I mean, when I was an early Christian, just tell me to read my Bible every Mm -hmm. day. Tell me to come to church, to pray. I can check the boxes. To bring your offering. To bring my offering. I can check my boxes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then I'll be a Christian and I'll be what God wants me to be. So everything is filtered through, um, just tell me what to do and I will do it Mm -hmm. and I will succeed at it. Mm -hmm. I will succeed at being a Christian. Mm But the inner work um, for me is um, accepting that there's nothing that I have to do. Mm -hmm. 
And that's the hardest part is changing my mindset that it's about being first and accepting that I will be loved for just being me, being alive. Because it's so connected to me, the accolades and the, um, the goals and the affirmation, yeah. that it's very hard to separate that because I don't know and I'm trying to learn what does it look like to just be. And so my inner work, um, and, uh, and, it's, and we've said before that it, for threes it's of all the people in Enneagram, it's harder for threes to remember that you're created to be human beings, beings and not just human doings. Right. And if that's the case, then it means creating, I know you've been attempting to create some space to do that, right. to create some restfulness when it's mm -hmm. everything that's against your instinct mm -hmm. to stop and slow down and just be. It's hard work to do. It is, and it's, um, you know, it, practically what I'm trying to do sometimes, and I'm not great at it, but I'm trying to, you know, if a task, if I plan for a task to take me an hour, um, maybe allowing in my mind very practically, well, this task is going to take me two hours. For example, teaching a lesson at school so that I can give space for relational connection with my students um, that time when somebody's going to interrupt and I can give my attention or attention to feelings or just to take deep breaths rather than plan for one task yeah. after the next, after the next with no margin yeah. because it's in the margin or for example, having naps, mm -hmm. that's very foreign to a three is mm -hmm. to take a nap mm -hmm. and, or to, Jesus took naps. I know, I know. Um, I don't wear that shirt. You do, yeah, but, okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> but to give yourself the, um, just to give yourself the permission to, to be seen by God yeah, by others and still, you. and that is very, very challenging, but that's, that's where we're, we're, we're stilled. And I am reminded that I am going to be loved even if I did nothing at all. And by God, so. So I want to say, I want to hit one thing and then a last question for you about how we love, how we love threes. How can we love threes better? But here's just an observation as you're talking. It occurs to me, John Singletary, who was with us last year, on the way back to the airport after that conference, we were talking, he has an interesting thought. He says, you know, you hear the term soulmates. You know, this is my soulmate. We, we were meant for each other. God made us for each other. He said, it's interesting because really what we call soulmates, we really mean our personality mates. Because what you fall in love with is you don't fall in love with somebody's soul because they've done a good job at keeping that hidden from you. What you fall in love with is the persona they have crafted to be seen by you. And, and here is the further journey in marriage, I think. So I fell in love with everything that I knew about you. And I assume you kind of did with me or else you wouldn't still be here. But, but here's the further journey. The inner work of Christ, the mystery of Christ within us, is that our journey must be a shedding of all the skins that we have put on and the shedding of all our persona, all of our personalities. So the further work of relationships is not only being attracted to each other's personality, but to allow one another the, the sheer grace of learning to see one another's soul as we gradually discover them ourselves, right? And that's hard work. It's patient work.
So why don't we talk, the last question then would be, so how do people, if you're a three, how do people in your life uh, need to love you? If they have somebody in their life who is a three, give them at least one tip on what they could do to love their three better. Well, the first thing that I'm thinking is, um, I mean, we can't just stop doing. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's just not going to happen. But, you know, one of the things that um, is encouraging for me, and you have done this, is, um, you know, it's not helpful to just say, why don't you just stop? Why why don't you just quit your job? Mm -hmm. Well, that's not helpful, because we're not going to do that. Um, what, What is helpful, though, is to provide rest for um, the one you love who is a three and allow them to be, you know, okay with that rest time. Um, it is a everyday training of the mind and the soul to not take everything as a as a goal to succeed at. And so providing them, you know, with, with rest, um, one of the biggest things is complimenting their, um, their, achie- their, their achievement. I mean, because it is important, mm-hmm. and it's important to know that the person who loves you the most unconditionally doesn't just love you for your, your achievement, but it is important for them to hear that mm-hmm. you affirm well, them. That's well done, and, and it's, it's well hard done. work and that it, was mm-hmm. achieved. Yeah, that's good. And they do love for you to join along with them in a fun Not task, really. like no, cleaning don't. out the garage no. or <laughs> fun Time things to go. like that. Look, aren't y'all hungry? Time to go to lunch, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So, so here's, here's what I want to do. There are all kinds of things that we can learn from our threes about how to love them more. But don't be surprised if they have a hard time telling you what that is because they themselves are ready to move and go and just groove and get things done. So maybe we listen to a song that might help us. At the end of every sermon in this series, we're going to listen to one of the Songs from Sleeping at Last, great group, uh, amazing lyrics. And this one is called Three, and it's written from the perspective of a three. So if you're a three, this is your song. If you love a three, think about the one you love as you hear this song, and let the gospel, let the grace, let the good news of Jesus wash over us as Adam sings.
And I finally see myself Through the eyes of no one else It's so exhausting on this silver screen Where I play the role of anyone but me And I finally see myself slowly learning how to break this spell and I finally see myself Let my heart feel what it feels Gold, silver, or bronze hold no value here Where work and rest are equally revealed And I only want what's real I set aside the highlight reel Greatest failures on display with an asterisk worthy of love anyway. Amen. Amen. Worthy of love anyway. Isn't that beautiful? Would you do me a favor and you thank my beloved and my beautiful wife for joining us today? Yeah, you could. Thank you, babe. Thank you. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. Good and loving God, we recognize how difficult it is for really any of us to truly understand your unconditional love. But for those among us for whom it is even more difficult, we pray that you would break through all of the barriers that keep any of us from hearing the truth that you came and lived and died and rose again in order for us to know and that is you so loved the world and we pray that this day somebody here may be able to hear that and let that love wrap around them in a way that renews them and changes everything pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of life. Amen.